crime is something that the majority of us are raised not to normalize, but that isn't the case everywhere. Sometimes, the area that you are in can change things. What is considered wrong in one space can be considered normal in another, and while some crimes are victimless, others aren't. Sometimes, the hate in the heart of a total stranger can take a normal day and turn it into the day that you die. And sometimes, that person doesn't get caught for a long time. My name is Brienne, and I'm the host and creator of Among the Dirt and Trees, a show where we explore true crime cases that occur out in nature. In today's episode, we're going to talk about a criminal and his victims, just like we always do, but we're going to focus on one crime in particular, the crime of being a fugitive from justice. Today's episode will focus on notorious murderer and serial bomber Eric Robert Rudolph, a man who attacked several groups of people in a hate-fueled rage throughout the years and successfully evaded arrest for five full years by hiding out in the woods. At least, that's what the story says, but a lot of people aren't that sure. Last week, we talked about the dangers of being murdered for your beliefs, and I think that's something that most of us can comprehend, but what happens when your belief system isn't just a belief system? What happens when it's your everyday life? We live in a world that has a very strange balance. We have pretty decent virtual reality. Our phones can recognize us by our faces and our fingerprints. That same phone can scan your room and place the new couch that you're thinking of buying so you actually know how it looks in advance. SpaceX just spent a group of civilians into orbit for a quick trip or ten around Earth. In so many ways, we live in the future, but that isn't always the case. Some beliefs have stuck around from older times, times where I just don't think that we had a lot figured out yet. And that can lead to hate. In the case of Eric Robert Rudolph, hate was at the center of everything that he did. During his time on the planet, he was linked and charged with a long list of horrendous attacks. Police believe that he bombed Centennial Park in Atlanta during the Olympics. He targeted a gay bar and made attacks on abortion clinics. He was notoriously anti-Semitic and was known to just dump poison into the ears of everyone around him. One of his relatives explained how they couldn't even watch TV with him because he was so enraged by the Jewish-sounding names in the credits. This man had hate deep in his heart, and he acted on it repeatedly. During his reign of terror, he killed several people and injured and traumatized countless others. And finally, when the time came to face what he did, he ran away like a coward. Because in a system that told him his actions were wrong, he decided that he was right. And I know that this is grim, but I think that's a little 
I don't have a better word, but funny. In a horrible way. In a makes-me-want-to-puke-blood kind of way. Because this man thought that he was justified and deserved to live a free life because he believed his actions and his beliefs overrode what everyone else said was true. And this is the man who hates people because of who they choose to love or what they want to do with their bodies in a world that keeps saying not to do that. The big difference is, Eric Rudolph was a criminal who harmed countless people, not an everyday person trying to live his life. He sent police letters signed from known white supremacist groups and didn't see anything wrong with that. But as you all know, this is a show about crimes out in nature, and that's the crime that we're here to discuss. Eric Rudolph committed a lot of heinous acts, but we're here to talk about his final act. The act of hiding from police in the shadows of the woods. According to Rudolph, his survival skills kept him alive for five years out in the wild. But a lot of people don't think that's true. Most of them believe that in his five years of hiding, he had help. Eric Rudolph knew that police were coming for him. He knew that they were on his trail, and he knew that it was only a matter of time before police showed up on his doorstep. And that is exactly why he chose to flee. The concept of being hunted is something that I think fascinates a lot of us. And I know that sounds weird, but when you look at modern day media, you'll know what I mean. The majority of action, dystopian, fantasy, and adventure movies all have this element where some really big and dangerous group is chasing someone. In books, we see a lot of cases where the government paints the individual like a criminal even though they're actually the good guy, and a part of me thinks that this is actually what Rudolph thought he was. But we're not some random guy with toxic, outdated, aggressive beliefs, right? So we know the truth. That Eric Rudolph was a criminal on the run. When police arrived, Rudolph was already gone. He ran off into the nearby woods. In response, the FBI stayed in the area for years, hunting him down. They were chasing down false leads and looking for any sign of him that they could find. They combed the woods of North Carolina, hoping to get lucky and stumble upon him, but for the longest time, it really seemed like he just disappeared into thin air. After years of arduous investigation, a fact which was not appreciated by locals in the area, it would only make sense that Rudolph would be found not by a dedicated and driven investigator who had been hunting him for years, but rather by an everyday police officer walking his beat path. Because as much as we love the idea of a fancy secret agent or something finding people like this, as is the case with pretty much every industry, it's the everyday people that get the job done. On this day, a cop was following his usual route and discovered a man rifling through the dumpster behind a local store. 
When the officer approached, Rudolph, who was unidentified at this point in time, backed away and hid behind some trash in the area. After everything was said and done, he was taken into custody. When he was arrested, he tried to give police a fake name, which was a good move considering he was on, like, a FBI Most Wanted list. But there was just one problem. After an entire federal investigation, even though he had clearly lost weight, they were able to recognize him. He was taken in and given several life sentences in a federal maximum security prison. But the FBI still wanted to know more. How had he evaded capture for so long? Well, let's discuss this army veteran and self-proclaimed survivalist and his life in the mountains. Eric Rudolph told investigators that he spent his time living in the woods for five full years, a feat which would be difficult for even the most experienced survivalists. It's not that it's even close to impossible, but it's not necessarily comfortable either, especially for somebody who was so used to traditional living. Later, t-shirts would be made covered in possums that said Rudolph survival food across them. And they sold pretty well in the area. Rudolph shared his two seasonal campsites with police, but... Some think that it might have actually been a distraction from his real campsites. In the wonderful online magazine Outside, a journalist named Bruce Barcott did a piece where he went out to explore the area and visit the available campsite. At the point where he was writing the article, only one campsite could be visited because the feds were actually still exploring the other one, which certainly adds an interesting touch to the content. But... His article and what he learned while exploring the area certainly brought some interesting details to light. The general consensus is that Rudolph did not spontaneously decide to flee when the police were coming. A lot of people think that he was prepared for it and probably had been preparing for it for several years. Rudolph knew what he was and he knew what he did even if he didn't want to admit it to himself. He knew that a day was coming when police would be hunting him down like the murderer that he was, so when the time finally came, he was surprisingly ready for it. There was just one problem. The campsites that he showed police didn't exactly support the idea that he was out there for five full years. Even though his campsites did have bags of grain and one even had a well-structured bench, The truth is that it didn't look like five years of living good. There was plenty of evidence that he slept and hung out there, but not much evidence that would suggest he lived there full time, and a lot of survivalists in the area don't think that he did. They don't think that he had the skills to do it. Instead, they think that someone was helping him and that he probably spent the winters tucked away in someone's basement or attic. The reason behind harboring a murderer? Well, apparently in this part of North Carolina, abortion and gay rights are pretty hot topics of debate. And not everyone is on the side that favors love and free choice. 
A good many people believe that old connections and locals in the area have helped him in a few ways, whether it's giving him shelter or bringing him food. But there is one other theory. The idea that he misled police by giving them waypoints instead of his actual campsite locations. So... They saw where he was stopping on his way to places, but he actually had bigger campsites hidden deeper in the woods. See, Rudolph's spots were missing obvious features. Where did he go to the bathroom on a regular basis? Did he have enough food and enough variety in his diet to actually live? Was he continuously stealing from nearby dumpsters? And what does this mean for the theory that he might have had help while he was out there? Is it possible that over time he actually lost the people that were helping him originally? For me, the idea that people were helping Rudolph is obviously horrifying, but it's not all that surprising. There are areas, and in Colorado we have plenty of mountain town areas like this, that just hate government. And those areas definitely don't get any better when the FBI is lurking around questioning people and chasing false leads for years in a row. From what I've read, Rudolph does seem like he had help, but maybe after the years passed, it started to run out. Or, maybe the money that he was using to stay alive did. Rudolph was known for growing and selling cannabis, and those close to him said that he made about $60,000 in sales. When I read this, I kind of laughed a little bit. I live in a state where cannabis is legal, and the cost of living is through the roof, especially where I live. But in North Carolina... In the early 2000s, I'm pretty sure that he was doing just fine for himself on that money. I think that at some point, he probably ran out of it. And after a while, he just kind of got sick of being out there, of being an outsider in general. In Bruce Barcott's article, he walks the area where Rudolph got caught and the space beyond it. He shows that Rudolph could have run, but chose not to. Maybe, in the end, Rudolph's grand plan didn't work out how he wanted to, and he actually chose to surrender instead. There is even a chance that his life in prison is easier than his life out in the woods, but honestly, I don't care. I am personally just glad that a person who would hurt anyone who doesn't agree with him, using bombs is no longer walking among us. At least we can all be thankful that he's off the streets, even if we don't really know who might have helped him. So, if you want to vent your rage over the fact that gay rights are still not considered human rights, or you want to talk survivalist strategies, or your right to child-free living, contact me on Twitter or Instagram using the tag at datpod. Thanks, guys. 